they all took a picture of the toothbrush in their bum. Then it used the toothbrush for the whole week, didn't know, and then they developed the film, and there you go. The brush end? Yeah. No, they all, like, put it in their butt, like, in between their bum cheeks, in their, like, bum, not in their bum hole, but, like, in their arm. There's a theme going on here, actually, Jenny, <laughs> that since we've brought you into the podcast, all you do is talk about arseholes. Let's crack on. <laughs> Welcome to the Apre podcast, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Bouncing, going, this is just a trend, wasting your time, go get a proper job. Ruined snowboarding for everyone. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? It's like the FBI's most wanted kind of guy for a long time. So it's basically like it was part of that organization. As the early season snow tickles the thumbs of FOMO to like the boasty posts of people like Tim and Jenny. I'm not bitter. And the Arctic blast across the UK delivers nothing but tens of thousands of rude finger eye drawings on the windscreens of cars. It's time for the APRE. Um, <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> uh, uh, do you know, I'm pretty good at drawing penises on frozen windscreens. <laughs> yeah, of course. Hey, look, we've uh, we've had an email. We've had an email. I wanted to. I Yay! wanted to send this to you because I wanted to. It, it's from uh, it's from Andy Lloyd, and he says Lloydy, Lloydy, <laughs> He says I'm looking forward to a triple way in St Anton in Austria. Uh, nice. You guys are helping raise the stoke levels. I've got my copies of Up Dog and Proper. Out Bloody of hell! And he's got them. He said, and I was like, okay, why is he telling me this? I, I, I don't care about this. And he says. I've got them to play on my screen in my own Alpine bar. I was like, what? What? What are you talking? Yeah, exactly, yeah. And he sent me, I'm going to send it to you both. He sent me this oh, video yeah. of, of his bar, which is in South Wales, that he's built himself. Hang on, is this an invite for our APRE podcast to go to South Wales and record <laughs> in his APRE bar? I mean, I'm Maybe. not that far from South Wales. So... You are yeah. not that far. No, I'm no, well up for it. Location. Have you got it? Oh my God, he's got, oh my God, that's what I want to do in my house. My wife won't let me do it. Oh, he's put oh, all he's of a his. poster. He's put all of his trail maps up. That is It's rad. so nice, isn't it? It's so lovely. I, oh also, my I, like God. the way he's got his bar set up, it's like he just goes in that bar. He's like, do you know what? I just want to get away from everything. I'm just going to go there. Oh, it looks so nice. Oh, well done. Let's give him a round of applause for that. Well done, yeah. Andy. Andy, put a bit of Van's show on for when we come round. That'd be grand. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, do you know um, what? I've started collecting trail maps from everywhere I go. So I've got a huge collection of trail maps from all the resorts I've been to. And I want to put them up on the wall, but Lucy won't let me. <laughs> yeah. Why won't she let you put them up? It's a constant reminder of her of all the places I go and she doesn't. <laughs> um, which is quite bad, uh, I suppose, isn't it? Jenny, where are you? Because it, I like, it looks really lovely. Yay! I, 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 I'm in. I, I know shall I show you? I've... We can see actually but when you when you move back I like can. that, the light adjusts. Does it? Hang on then. Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. Oh. Whoa! Look all the snow there. Look, you could ride that. So you went snowboarding <laughs> yesterday. Was it good? Did you um, have a good time? I, yeah, I'm in teen. And it's been my workshop week with all my clients um, out here shredding, pre-season shred, as we call it. And then we've just been riding every day. It has been 
so nice to be back on the snow again. I know I've just come from the States, but this was also nice to come back on the snow in France. Was that really bad? Because that sounded like I was rubbing it in. Yeah, <laughs> it's so nice to go to like North it. America and then fly straight to the Alps to do more. Yeah. No, it doesn't. And do you know what? It's absolutely fine. Sorry. You flew to Bozeman, Montana. You went to Big Sky. I've How never was Big been... Sky? Yeah, I've never been to Montana and I've never been to Big Sky, of course, because I've not been to Montana. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> and, um what was it uh, like? Oh, it was so fun. It was so cool. Was it? It was like, I haven't been to the States for maybe nine years. And um, when, when I got there, it's just that remembering, like, when you came into Montana, it was all cowboy hats. Wicked. Cowboy dudes in there, like... Wicked. Jeans and <laughs> cowboy boots everywhere. It was like a real mix of, of different skiers and snowboarders. And Big Sky itself, it's not... As big as it sounds in the title, <laughs> <laughs> compared to, say, Europe. However, it, it had some really good-looking terrain. We couldn't get up the cable car, which was frustrating. But I went there for Ski Sunday, um, and I met some incredible athletes. It was really cool. They, um, the first uh, one was Fasu, and he is a amazing skier, single leg, so amputee and he skis just he's not in a sit ski he's just on one single ski with what he calls his ninja sticks so like poles but with blades <laughs> on and amazing he is so fast i genuinely struggled to keep up with him he is an inc- it's just brilliant skier and uh, we actually went i was split boarding and he was ski touring and i was like are you kidding me so that was cool and then i also um uh, met up with a group of women that have just brought out a brilliant ski film. It's an all-female ski film, and it's also all-female skiers behind the lens. Um, so, Oh, nice. Yeah, so the filmers, the photographers, um, everything. It's all, uh, yeah, it's all by Proper women. girls' crew. That's wicked. Yeah, but the film has got a great storyline. It's brilliant. It's called Nexus. I'm, I'm really sure you can watch it now because like, we went there for the premiere. So I got to speak to some of the athletes that are in it. I don't ski heaps, but I really enjoyed this movie. Amazing. It's almost yeah. got, sounds like it's got a bit of the Warren Miller vibe to it where it's, a, it's rather than it being a ski film, it's a film about skiing. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? The, it's... Yeah, but the storyline really does... Bring draw you in, like it's really, yeah, amazing. I hate to use the word that's overused, loads, which is in, inspiring, but it actually, it really is quite an inspiring movie. Wicked, that yeah. sounds good. Yeah. And then straight to teen, then jet lagged and all, and, and shredding teen. And teen's good at the moment, you said they've just well, had some snow. It just has some snow. The first few days we had sunshine and riding about on good old corduroy, but now they're the snow's coming down. So anyone that's coming in the next week or so will be happy to know that. Wicked. The snow is falling. Yeah. Wicked. God. In the trees yesterday, it was just like... Oh, was it? and hollers, and you yeah, were like amazing. wiping the power out of your goggles. It was like, yeah. Wicked. <laughs> Do you know what happened to me this morning? Go on. Oh, go on. Coffee machine broke, and I trod in another dog shit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Where are you, Milo, Milo, walkies. Milo, walkies. Can't hear you. Trying to get him excited. Uh, so I am also in the Alps, the Austrian Alps, the Alberg region. I'm here with Ingham's again to do some filming because you know how I'm 
well good looking. I'm well good looking. <laughs> one, one of their poster yeah. boys now, pretty yeah. much. Um, so yeah, no. Um, <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> I'm a coal miner out here in the Alps. Um, no, I'm out here to do some. <laughs> No, oh, I am good looking. I don't have to talk much, which is good. It could do with a little bit more snow. It was snowing yesterday, and it's lightly trying to snow as we speak. The last time I was in St. Anton was I was working behind the scenes on the Hollywood blockbuster that is Chalet Girl. Oh, don't do you know that? that. Do not Remember? talk about that. Chalet Girl with Felicity Jones and Bill Nye, Brooke Shields. Me and Gendel came out here to film some behind the scenes stuff for, the, for their... Why don't talk about that, Jenny? Were you not involved in that? I refuse to watch it because basically it's really similar to my actual life. It's Jenny's. It's <laughs> it's Jenny's. It's the story of Jenny's life. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like I deserve some royalties on that. What was your part in that film? Were you an extra? Did you say? I wasn't. They didn't pick me. I was. I think I was too good looking. So uh, yeah. I would have upstaged Ed West. Can't have you, mate. You're it. the face of Inghams. Yeah. Exactly correct. Um, Can't have you. No, we ended up... So, randomly, at the time, me and Gendel were making snowboard movies as part of our lockdown projects, snowboard thing. Jumps, snowboard jumps were too big, and I wasn't going to risk this face jumping over those jumps. So, me and Gendel decided at the, at the time we would um, pick up the camera and make snowboard movies. So, we had Jenny and, obviously, all the, all the British guys in them. And Quicksilver and Roxy were one of our sponsors, and they were also sponsoring Chalet Girl. And as part of their deal with Chalet Girl, they said, oh can we send our snowboard filmers out to come and just consult and make sure that you guys are being true to the sport and filming snowboarding correctly. Make sure you're not getting those guy in the sky shots that were, um, you know, kind of ruining snowboarding. Mainstream media were doing back in the early 2000s or whatever. We came out here and obviously they were not going to let us anywhere near their camera or production. So when me, when me and Gendel got here, they were like, you guys just go off and just go and film something, do whatever you want. So me and Gendel, of course, have zero zero Hollywood movie film etiquette. So we're like wandering up to the stars. We're like, how you doing? Nice to meet you. I'm, how you doing? I'm Tim. Nice to be, a... you know, going to all the, all the Bill Nye and Brooke Shields. And everything. Anyway, ended up getting on really well with them. And at the time, me and Gendel were in our lip sync music video phase where we'd go around, we'd film everybody and put it together to music and make a silly music lip sync video. So we started to do this with the cast and crew of the film much to the annoyance of the producers. But actually, we got Bill Nye to do it first. And once Bill Nye had done it, everyone was like, well, if Bill Nye's done it, then I'll do it. So we ended up getting one. And we showed it to the producers at the end, and they were like, oh, my God, can we use that for the movie? So it, end, it ended up being the end credits of the movie. It's yeah. mine, and Gendel's, mine and Gendel's, yeah. So oh. mine and Gendel's music video for Chalet Girl was the end credits. Amazing. So yeah, that was, the last, that was the last time I was in St. Anton. So I'm very much looking forward to getting up. Although I'm doing a lot of filming in and around the chalet. So I don't think I'm going to be have much mountain time. I think oh, I'll probably what? get... So, like you're having breakfast and like... Yeah, it's like... Oh when, my God. Mate, it's, I'm being wined and dined and everything. I've never oh, felt so God. out of place in my whole life. So listen, you know I love talking about myself, but enough about me... Do you want to know something that I thought that we should inform the listeners about? Ooh. Yeah, go on. So this weekend, there's ski racing um, taking place in Sestriere. And we've actually got GB's Alex Tilly and Charlie Guest back in action. Now, I've kind of figured out that on the podcast, I do this quite a lot. I talk about events and then, you know, invariably when people get to listen, they're probably long gone. And so I think from now on, we should only really focus on 
big key moments, big wins for, for GB athletes and whatnot. But I thought, actually, what I could do is tell people about the Eurosport app. Now, hashtag this is not an ad. We're not getting paid for this. But if you do love your skiing, your snowboarding, Eurosport, they have loads of coverage and it's on and you can download the app and you can subscribe and you can watch skiing and snowboarding to your heart's content. And they've got a lot of the World Cups going on and it's quite a good app and you can just watch some skiing and snowboarding. Sounds so that's good. My little, like a promo. Yeah, like a promo. it does sound like a promo, but hashtag not an ad because they've not paid us yet. Hey, Eurosport, oh, do you want to pay us? No, 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 you can't, you can't say, you can't ask for it retrospectively. No, it's too can't late, you? it's a freebie. Oh. No. Yeah. Don't get you so, guys yeah. doing that. No advert, but I'll check it out. Well, obviously, Ski Sunday comes in from the first Sunday of January every year, but that's only a six-week a six run. And there's a lot of content. There's a lot of skiing and snowboarding going on. And people love it. You know, people love to, even if it's just shots of the mountains and shots of, who doesn't like watching the downhill skiing? I mean, come on. So rad. I just keep visualising. Did you, are you going to be, have makeup on for your, um, <laughs> for your hingums? <laughs> Uh, Tim, did you use my yeah. toothbrush? No, of course I didn't. It's disgusting. Ollie? Yeah, if yours is the orange one, I used it to de-lime scale the, the kettle. <laughs> oh, hang on, the orange one's mine. Hello? Who is it? Hi, it's Jeremy. Jeremy who? Jeremy Sladen. Let him in, let him in. Kick your boots off. Well, in fact... While you take your coat off, because I know it's snowing hard outside, uh, let me just tell the listener who we've got. It's only Jeremy Slade. Now, it's a name you've probably never heard of, but actually, if you are a UK snowboarder, then you more than likely will have heard of him because he's almost certainly had an impact on you and your way of life. Jeremy was part of the first wave of snowboarders in the 80s here in the UK, driven by nothing but passion for the sport. And together with his peers, he set up the brands, magazines, shops and associations that laid the very foundation for much of the modern UK snowboarding industry. Do you know what? If it wasn't for Jeremy, I doubt either me or Jenny would be here. Um, it's Jeremy Slade and everybody. Come on. What an intro. Great Jeremy, I'm going to ask you the first... Well, I'm going to ask you the first question. How uncomfortable did that make you feel, me talking nicely about you? Um, it didn't make me feel uncomfortable at all. I <laughs> would have wanted it to go on a little bit longer and boost my ego a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Pleasure to have you here in the cabin. Um, how's it all going? What have you been up to? Because you, you literally live and breathe snowboarding. So what's been happening for you at the moment? Well, it's just kind of getting ready for another winter. Um, it's kind of getting cold. It's like, you know, snowing over here where we are now. And, you know, temperatures have dropped in the last couple of weeks. So winter is here and people are stoked to go snowboarding. So kind of feels like pre-COVID again. <laughs> is it snowed enough that you can go out on your snowboard? Well, where we are in the in the cabin, yes. Ah, hey, yeah. good Keeping luck. it up, keeping it up. Yeah, that's it. Carry it uh, on. Carry it on. So, so you are you are Mister UK snowboarding. I, I, you know, it, it sounds a bit weird and a bit uncomfortable to say that, maybe. But you've been in and around snowboarding for years. Just give us a, a very quick potted history, then. Um, where did it start? When did it start? And, and how did it come to be um, that? 
you know, you run the Snowboard Asylum, the biggest and best UK snowboard chain in the UK? Uh, it started 1984 was the first time I rode a snowboard. Um, I'd kind of gone away um, on a ski holiday with my family and um, I was a bit rubbish at skiing. Um, couldn't be bothered to kind of do all that stuff going in one direction or the other. <laughs> and I saw I saw Apocalypse Snow and basically that kind of triggered me wanting to go snowboarding. So wow. that winter of 84... Got a snowboard. But, but how did you get a snowboard? Where from? What did you do? I just went to a hire shop in France and got one. It was snowboard in a very loosest term of snowboard. Basically a plank of wood with a bit of a turn up at the front and some straps <laughs> for, for bindings. <laughs> how much did you hurt yourself and how difficult was it? It wasn't easy. Um, <laughs> battered myself for quiet senses and then... Basically, just veered off the piste, and then all of a sudden, it just went ping, and all came alive. Were you like uh, Jeremy? Were so, you like you've you know you've gone from that time in the eighties where like literally you know hardly anybody was snowboarding, hardly anybody was into it, and it was you know looked down upon. So when you see like Tim and Jenny, who are you know they they've both carved out a very lovely career for themselves in snowboarding and they're both really good snowboarders Tim's just like you know brilliant commentator and Jenny's won medals for fuck's sake hey, uh, how how do you sort of like reflect back on that did you ever see it like back in the 80s becoming what it is now no i don't think so and, and to, to be honest with you i don't ever think that was kind of really what we thought about um for me personally it was just doing something that just kind of made you feel amazing and was something that you loved doing the kind of progression and growth was never really a consideration for it what i've always kind of based like my career on and my passion for snowboarding is just really kind of trying to get people to have that experience of going snowboarding and the experience of what snowboarding is is uh and i think that still drives me today just to kind of for people to have that experience that for me was life-changing and i guess that everybody in this in this cabin was life-changing as well yeah, absolutely. Do you, I mean, this is jumping forward a bit, maybe, but seeing from where snowboarding's come from and being in it for so long and obviously running the snowboard asylum and, and doing that side of it and, and seeing the sales and seeing actually the, the effect that the public has had, you know, it's had on the public and the monies and all this kind of thing. Where is snowboarding going? Has it plateaued? I, I did hear, I heard a very con- controversial statement just the other day on a, Another podcast on the Looking Sideways podcast. Yes, there are other podcasts available, not as good as this. Um, no offence, Matt Barr. But, um, you know, I heard a quote on there saying that snowboarding has plateaued. It's reached its level. Do you think that's right? Who said that? Oh, well done, Jenny. <laughs> yeah, I knew Jenny, that I'd get her. It was, it was none other than Chris Moran. And I thought oh, it was really interesting. Was, Chris Moran. So Chris Moran is a pro from the 90s. He was one of the first snowboarders actually in the UK to, to make a mark on the European and international scenes as a professional. And um, yeah, he kind of learned to harness the power of, um, of the media for his own good. He, I mean, he, he had a Bud Ice sponsor, for Christ's sake. He had free beer as the living the dream. Um, but Jeremy's right. He lives on a boat. No, he actually, actually, he has built... He's just uh, renovated a whole new chalet, hasn't he? Down, uh, down the bottom of uh, the Three Valleys. Uh, yes, pretty he sure. Has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still lives on a boat. Yeah. Man. Still lives on a boat. 
Um, I don't know. Who cares? Who gives a jot if it plateaus? Doesn't matter. It's, as long as people go snowboarding, as long as new people come into the sport and get an experience, I don't give a shit if it goes up or down. It's just, you know, as long as people are going snowboarding, having an amazing time, that's, that's all that matters. How do you personally keep the love there? Because I, I'm not going to lie, I wane slightly and I've been doing it half as long as you. So how do you keep the love for snowboarding? Um, well, we all wane from time to time. Um, it's just when you kind of go away, when you go away and you have like an amazing time and you have the right conditions, then that love comes back. And it's just always, for me, it's always harks back to those experiences that I had that were kind of life affirming, that were life changing. And, and just where that, where that has taken me kind of career wise and work wise and stuff like that. And you just think, you know, yeah, my kind of relationship with TSA is that I, I didn't actually set it up. Ellis Brigham, that who own TSA, I basically spent a lot of time really trying to persuade Bob and Ellis to kind of get into snowboarding seriously because it was just kind of you know this is going to be a really big thing. You need to really commit to this, and they basically gave me a little bit of space at the London Ski Show in I think winter '88 or '89. I can't remember, and I just kind of set up a little snowboard booth there, and kind of that was where the ski show was. Ten days of hell. <laughs> Um, and yeah basically just made that work and then they obviously decided to go into it seriously and so they basically got in touch with me um, see if I wanted to take over and run it so I think that was probably winter 91 or 92 or maybe a little bit later kind of maybe 90 93 94 I can't remember it was a long time ago so you've been in and around snowboarding for years and years and um, talk us through the worst thing you've seen come through snowboarding. Well, what's been the worst thing about snowboarding? Or... Wasn't when uh, me and Natalie Mayer sat on your back on the snow and sang for a music video for Tim Warwood and Adam Gendel's snowboard movie, was it? No, that was one, that was one of the highlights. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, Jeremy might was on all fours on the snow at last. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah might have God. to dig that video out um, and we'll get a link to that in the show notes for you. Yeah, yeah, get it, get it, Tim. I want to see it, I want to see it. <laughs> it's probably better than the pretending to be rock climbing bit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, no, actually, actually, no, but that, let, let's dig into this a little bit more because uh, I, full disclosure, I haven't, I haven't known you for years at all. Tim and Jenny have. So you might you must all have like so many stories from the mountains like that that you kind of you know as you were sort of progressing as Tim and uh, Jenny were sort of progressing through. But this. it always result. It always goes back to the stupid things that Tim and Gendel did when they were kind of making videos. <laughs> yeah. Made, you know, so um, just call, just count yourself lucky. I think is the the word that you're kind of looking for. Do you know what I really yeah. remember though is like you fully fully shouted my corner when. Um, I won my first X Games in Aspen. I remember you just, like, through TSA and you just shouted it from the rooftops because it was like the first British, the first British person. And I'd, I've never forgotten that. You guys were like, well, you're probably like, oh, did I? <laughs> did I? Well, I kind of think, and I've kind of spoken to you this before about this. I think in all those kind of early years of kind of working in the snowboard industry, it was kind of just bouncing people bouncing going this is just a trend wasting your time go get a proper job and i think i think your winning streak kind of especially with the olympics just kind of validated everything that you i've kind of done for like 25 years it was just almost like sticking two fingers up 
to all those people that said this thing that you're involved in is just a waste of time and it was just like look look at what this has become mm. for me it kind of made those made those kind of 20 30 years of kind of in those early days really struggling financially and kind of um just trying to carve out this thing it made all that effort really kind of worthwhile and this this thing that we worked at has become this this monster that we never saw or never predicted it would become yeah i think that exactly how it felt when you did shout my corn like that i was like yeah yeah it was definitely a see we aren't a toy sport you know like a kind Jez. of yeah exactly Jez, exactly did you cry when jenny won a bronze medal <coughs> He well did. He well did. <laughs> Mate, you don't have to be embarrassed. Yes, I cried yes, live on the BBC. No, 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 no. I'm not embarrassed. No. Yes, I did. I remember the words you wrote. You wrote, she's done it again. Something like that. Like, maybe. Oh, like, I'm going now. Know, but anyway, look, it's not about that. So what was what was the... I've... What was the worst thing? Yeah. What was the worst yeah, thing? Yeah, that was it. Yeah. I, I think the, the worst I thing. I think the worst thing is... Um, and... The bizarrely is like you're to blame for the best thing. I think you're probably also to blame for the worst <laughs> thing as well. <laughs> I think for me it was that rise of that the competitive parent coming up through snowboarding, which kind of pretty much kind of came in almost straight after your kind of um, your medal winning. This kind of this fucking hell, like Jenny. Mindset for just... fuck's sake, you. You're, do you know what? <laughs> like you coming along, I'm, I'm, I'm ruining I'm it for <laughs> For everyone, I've had enough of you. I've had it. You fucking go out there, win that medal, and you just ruin snowboarding for everyone. How dare you? How dare you? Like, yeah, I created all these pushy parents. Yeah, oh, God. But I guess God. that's the same with every. It's the same in every sport, you know. I've kind of seen it in other sports that I've been involved in over the years, but it had kind of been not really there in snowboarding. No. And, you know, you looked at all those kind of great riders that came up through the sport. They all kind of got to where they were with a passion for snowboarding. It wasn't really about just doing competitions. The competitions were like part and parcel of a, of a bigger whole, if that makes sense. Mm. Can I just clarify? I and didn't then... have pushy parents. <laughs> no, no, I know you didn't. Yes. <laughs> but I think he was just like, like, my child can get an Olympic medal. Yeah. yeah but, you know. Whereas my mum was like, do you really have to hit those metal things? <laughs> can't you go can't you go around them amazing, amazing. anyway can, amazing. But my parents and you get a real job yeah is that what your parents said all the time no they were all right actually so i think they were just a bit pissed off that i jacked in my apprenticeship with a week to go before my final exams but you know you know i don't want to be a carpenter no <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it all goes back to you know Tim was saying before about like the interest sort of waning and stuff like that. You know all these things. It kind of t it takes a little bit of a, a moment, like what you know Jenny did at the Olympics to kind of you know get that get that interest kind of back into it again. Of course, it's gonna it's gonna ebb and flow. Of course, it is to say that it's reached the plateau and it's reached the peak. Of course, I it think, is. Yeah. Like we were talking about this the other week, weren't we? We were saying like like accessibility to snowboarding actually, especially because of what what's going on at the moment. Like it's it's hard. Like it's really difficult. For a lot of people to be able to go, oh fuck it, I'm going to take my kids out to the mountains, or I'm going to take them down to the snow dome. It's not the first thing on your list, so it's like, you know, it might, it might dip, interest might dip a little bit, but I can assure you, it will come back. Of course yeah. it will. Well, it's like just seen the shut new... up. And <laughs> um, it's like, um, Jez, you probably really like this. I haven't fully seen it, but 
the Volcom, the new Volcom snowboard movie that's sort of come out. Um, and it's all been filmed in a 90s, like with 90s cameras and this kind of 90s style. And I was like, oh, Jez would love this. Yeah, like with the, you know, the last, like riding like that as well. And I just think, well, you know, it's not like it, ha- it is a plateau. People are just getting more creative again and doing things in different styles, which is kind of a bit more what your vibe, isn't it, Jez? That sort of... Uh, yeah, I think going back to this plateau, it's it's always there's always going to be a plateau because it's only a finite number of people that are going to go snowboarding. So you know, it's it's never going to be everybody goes. So it's always going to be a certain plateau. Mm-hmm. Chris and, Moran, you know, why worry about that, <laughs> big dick? If you were to tell anyone who was getting into snowboarding what video part they should watch, which one would it be and why? Um, I kind of pretty much stopped watching snowboard videos after robot food. So I kind of thought like, you know, this is, this is it. This is kind of peaked as good then, as snowboard videos. Are ever well, then that's get. the answer. Yeah. That is the answer. <laughs> yeah. After lane, you know, after lane, after bang. Yeah. Those videos. Yeah. yeah. They were so good videos. Snowboard video perfection. Yeah. Uh, listener, do look them up and try and have a look. If you, if you're new to snowboard films, go and check them out. Cause they are actually the perfect videos to uh, to put on to make you want to go snowboarding yeah i, I know oh, so, i know course, you didn't mention uh, anything from the lockdown which have been digital they're on youtube now you can watch those link in the show notes to those ones which stop, jeremy will facilitated you stop spamming and... the show notes Stop spamming yeah, sorry, the show just, notes with your just stuff gives you, gives you way more work doesn't it yeah, yeah no stop i spamming. have to do something over lockdown so he digitised all of the snowboarding. So uploaded videos. Ah. Amazing. So what is it? What's what's the trend for this season then? What we're going to see on the mountains? There is kind of a, a trend, kind of towards, and I kind of it sounds a bit stupid because it's always been that trend is towards a, a proper all-terrain board. So literally one board that does everything really, really well. So you're seeing like brands kind of bringing inside a lot of real new tech to make boards do everything really well. So, you know, being on my workshop week right now in team, um, I've got my... Places available for the Sanfoy workshop. <laughs> Link in the show notes to book on. There you go, Jenny. You're welcome. <laughs> if you go to Sanfoy, go to Sanfoy. Um, in, uh, I have uh, eight clients out there. What, what is the snowboard that you'd be like recommending the types of snowballs that you'd be recommending for them. What, what sort of questions would they probably end up asking you? So it's basically a question of what, what, what we need to ask them is because we need to build up a picture of what they want. And I think for somebody to, when they go to buy a snowboard, be realistic on, on your ability level, because it makes a massive difference in terms of what you're going to ride. If you're realistic, you're going to have a way better time and you're going to enjoy snowboarding a lot more than you would if you just want a bit of a really expensive vanity project board that's going to make you look great in the lift queue. Mm. I was going to say, um, if you're Elon Musk's right-hand man listening to this podcast right now, don't go in and just buy the best one because they're not they're the most expensive one because they're not always the best. No. So gold line, the best snowboard is the snowboard that suits you. Mm, I think I, I think like year before last Lola, I rode um, an intermediate salmon board for an intermediate rider because it's just oh. the board that I like. Oh. oh, yeah, it's because you're on the way down, oh. Jonesy. <laughs> 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 legs are getting 
The legs are getting weak. <laughs> the legs are getting weak. You'll be it's on soft over. boots. Next. <laughs> Explain why I ride the beginner's board. You're nearing no, the end, No, I will Jenny. have you know, I am on a Bellevue. I'm on a Salomon Bellevue this year, okay? So yeah. back off, Sim Wars. Yeah. I just want the insight into a pro snowboarder's life. When was the last time you paid for a snowboard? Oh, Ooh. come on. Oh, oh no, come on. I think that's fair. I, why not? Because I think, genuinely, this is a genuine question for somebody that's a, a fan of snowboarding but never got to the level that you guys are because I'm just quite terrible, is, like, if, if you're sponsored and, you know, you've got people supporting you, like, what, you know, what are you getting? I kind of want to know. I don't think it's a bad thing. The last time I bought a snowboard was in 1999. Oh, my God. Actually, that's a bit much. That is a bit much. <laughs> you, that's because <laughs> I, went, I went to the Brits. I bought all my snowboards before that. And um, Santa Cruz. And then I also bought, I don't know. Okay, this, this is going to sound awful. But the bottom of my snowboard said smelly tuna on it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh Ollie, no, Ollie, no, <laughs> Ollie. And then, no. I, didn't and so, say, I didn't say anything. I said nothing. And then I moved. Yeah, then I moved on. That was the first one. I don't know what brand it was. And then I moved on to the Santa Cruz. Then when I went to the Brits, um, that's where I met Salomon. And I have been on Salomon snowboards since 99, 2000. See, that's nice. nothing yeah. wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Board bags, on the other hand, they are always provided by Jeremy Sladen at the TSA. Oh, look at Thank that. Thank you. That's Minimal nice. value sponsorship, mate. <laughs> no. I've got a cheap yeah. question now. I've got a quick, cheap question like, like Tim. Go for it. If you could own any snowboard from the history of snowboarding ever, right? Good the question. original, whatever it is, what would it be and why? Oh. oh. I know mine. Oh. oh yeah, okay. I'll, I'll put it to all well, three of you. Go on then. As in, as in an, imp- as in an important snowboard. Well, no, it can be important to you. It doesn't have to be something that anybody else would know. It could just be something that you're like. Do you know what? I have a sentimental attachment to that one because it was the first time I ever cut my penis open. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not. Got, I'm not attached to a board in that way. <laughs> okay, um, you're right. There's two boards that I would like to own. Like the first one is probably a Sims round tail that Terry Kidwell rode at Tahoe Rubbish Tip, which is kind of probably the most important snowboard in the history of snowboarding. It's the, the snowboard that was being ridden that changed the whole direction of snowboarding. I think that had a value of like $30,000 or $30, something. $30,000. Why is it so... What was so special about it at the time? What did it change about it? About snowboards? Because snowboarding was kind of was kind of going in two directions. It kind of didn't know whether it was going to go down an alpine route or like a freestyle route. And that... That kind of section of like Tahoe rubbish tip with Kidwell really just kind of tipped snowboarding down the freestyle route and skate and surf route, and it's just such a seminal piece of footage that it is, you know, it it's for me the most important bit of snowboarding footage ever. And then for a board that I would have and I've ridden in the past, probably would be a Sims Daytona. They were in like candy apple metallic red with yellow sidewalls. Amazing, Tim. What um, about you, man? Or Jenny? Like, what's what's no, I don't have an. So, I actually don't have an answer for that. I don't have an answer, so I'll just let um, take this one. I ended up working at a Grand Prix over in Tamworth near the Snowdome, and we had the first set of demo Burton snowboards come in, and there was a, Bur- a board in there. It was the Terrier Harkinson Pro model. It was called the Burton Balance One Five Two, 
and I wasn't allowed to ride it because I was supposedly an A-board snowboarder. But whenever I wasn't doing anything where there'd be cameras or... Oh, that sounds really wanky, doesn't it? But when no, any contests or anything, I would ride my A-board. But when I just went to ride for myself, I would ride the Burton balance. It was so fast. It went edge to edge like a fish. It was just it carved. It was everything I wanted in a snowboard. And I just... I, I lusted for this board so much and I was never allowed to have it because <laughs> I rode for A-boards at the time. Mate, I found yeah, one but... for you. You can have it. You can buy it. I've just found one. on, on uh... The Burton Balance 152. Yeah, Burton Balance 152. I've just found it in Japan. You can get it for 4,515 yen, which I've just converted. Oh, is 28 it's... quid. Shut Stop up. It. No, so you eBay. want a 28 quid board. I'll send you the link to Mate, you can go buy, buy it. it. Get... But I'm not send buying it me for the you. link. I'm not buying Shipping from Japan will be like half a million quid. You can do that yourself. <laughs> well, but the trouble is, though, you'd probably never the get trouble it. trouble is, it's going to ride like a bag of crap. Oh, it'd be awful. <laughs> but you go ride an old snowboard now. They're awful. Yeah, 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 absolutely. They're left, best left in the memory banks, aren't they? Uh, exactly and actually a little bit a little shout out very quickly while we're on old snowboards to friend of the podcast joe rackley who has the world's best retro snowboard collection he's got about 50 old snowboards Uh, amazing from everything from that first sims and and burton cruiser right up to yeah ones from a a couple of years ago oh can you get can you get the best ford escort can you get hold of a photo Yeah, link in the show notes. There you go, Ollie. That's oh, another for job fuck's for you. Sake. No, link I'm not in doing the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> He's had two mentions in two episodes, that man. Yeah, I'd sort it out. He's gonna love um, it. He is a legend though. He is uh, a legend. Yeah, he but don't don't tell it don't tell him that, because he'll just turn his wheel right. He knows that anyway. No, right. Lads, ladies, everybody else that wishes to be identified as neither. I think it's time to put on our snowboard boots and get out there and do some turns. Should we go have a run? Oh, yes. Yeah, let's go. Why not? The chairlift. A place to hang, dangle, jangle your keys, if you're an idiot, and drop them, only having to ask the lovely lady at the place that you're staying for another one. Then she'll she'll look at you like you're a scumbag, and you'll feel judged, and then three weeks later, you'll leave a bad TripAdvisor review, even though you don't mean it. It was all your fault anyway. You're an idiot. It's also a place to chat and share stories. That's why we love riding chairlifts so much. Now, Jeremy, I spoke to Jeremy a few weeks ago, and he started to tell me a story. Jez, please, um, can you tell our lovely listeners, just just fill us in, your incredible story from snowboarding back in the day and how you saved snowboarding. (laughs) Right, so I'm going to have to change names to protect the guilty on this one, so I'm kind of... All good stories start with changing names. Oh my god, I'm going to be like racking my brain now, wondering who it actually and, is. And change locations. Oh. So we'll define the first part of the story as how Eddie Spearing became chairman of the British Snowboard Association. Um, I haven't changed that name. Which, back in the very, very early days of snowboarding, um, we were kind of driving around the country trying to find kind of little groups of snowboarders and kind of just going to little kind of sessions. And we kind of knew, knew of all these little groups, but nobody had ever kind of got together. So I had this genius idea. Let's put on the first ever British Dry Slope Championships. And so this was Sheffield 
and it was the summer of 1989. Everything I did seems to be 1989 for some reason. So um, I kind of got got together, put this event on, and kind of started organising it. And I, I got this, um, I was going to say email, but that's not right, because they didn't exist back then, did they? So um, <laughs> I got a fax from this guy. So... <laughs> And at this point, I was living up in, I don't want to say the north of England because that would be offensive to where it was, but I was living in the north um, anyway. So past the wall, past interest. the big wall. Past the wall. I got this fax from this guy going, yeah, we've got this, um, we've got this skate park and uh, we're really kind of interested in kind of doing community things. And we'd really like to kind of get involved with the Brits and, you know, this event you're putting on and maybe help you kind of set up a British um, Snowboard Association. So I'm thinking, yeah, that's cool, that's great. So I go and meet them. I meet this guy, get on really well with him, and we kind of hang out for a bit and stuff like that, and then uh, kind of start putting this event together. And we start kind of talking with magazines and stuff, and um, a magazine asked us to do this, this little article on kind of how you get into snowboarding. So um, I go, yeah, you go and do that. So he did it, and then I got it through, and, and it was probably the biggest pile of shite that I've ever seen, and it was... Like, proper embarrassing. <laughs> and I kind of, like, kicked off a bit about it. And I'm just like, dude, what, what is this? It's just ridiculous. And he's like, oh, like this. And then, then I kind of moved on and kind of kind of forgot about it. And a week later, I kind of had to go and kind of pick him up to go to another event. And he goes to me, oh, um, so-and-so wants to speak to you in the back. And I'm like, who? And he goes, oh, so-and-so. And, um... All right, then. And I kind of went into this little back office and there was this, like, older guy. So bear in mind, we're kind of young. We're in our, like, 20s and we're kind of, like, proper, like, unorganised pissheads. So I'm getting this, like, older guy just gives me, like, a massive bollocking for kind of giving giving me a real hard time for this article. I'm just like, dude, who the fuck are you? <laughs> Never seen you before. Like, what, what are you on about? And uh, so he kind of kicked off, and it was just all a bit weird. So some random then, stranger, just to just to clarify, you some random stranger has just given you an almighty bollocking because you told off this other guy because he'd written a really yeah. bad snowboard, you know, thing for snowboarding. Yeah, exactly that. So <laughs> I kind of see, I kind of see these like some friends of mine who were like pro skaters, and they use the skate park all the time, and I'm just explaining to them and go, and I'm just I'm like said to the guy who the fuck are you and they turn around to me and go uh it's a religious sect <laughs> and then i'm like what he says it's a religious sect like the whole the whole skate park is just a front to kind of get kids in and kind of convert oh them what? and it was like <laughs> what <laughs> It was like, um, oh my god, they were like, I don't know if you guys remember, it might be a bit young, but can you ever remember in those kind of 70s and 80s? There was like a, a this guy called Bagwan Rajneesh, he's the guy that had like 10 gold Rolls Royces and like had like 50 wives and stuff like that. And he was like the FBI's most wanted kind of guy for a long time, so it was basically like it was part of that organization. So, <laughs> I'm just like, whoa, kind of need to not be kind of having in this. And there was no more thought to it than just having religious whack jobs involved in snowboarding. No, thank you. So like I say, so that the whole thing was just a front to get kids in and try and kind of convert them and brainwash them into this, like, is this religion. So I kind of called the group of kind of everybody together, all the kind of people that were kind of around snowboarding back in that time and just like, right, 
So this has happened. We need to kind of just break this, what we've done so far, completely up and start again and reform the BSA. So, so that's how Eddie Spearman became kind of chairman of the British Snowboard Association. An emergency act, yeah. to like putting him into position just to stop the religious cult from getting their fingers into the snowboarding pie. Kind of fast forward five years, I've kind of like moved to Aviemore, kind of almost kind of forgotten about this. And then I met my partner up in Aviemore and she said, right, I just need to go and do my final year of university again. So it's like, okay, we'll move down to where your university is. She went back to uni. I got a job selling cars because I kind of do that every so often when I'd made no, I'd no money left from snowboarding. And then one day I kind of go into uni to pick her up and I'm kind of hanging around outside the kind of... Um, the bar at the uni and who do I see walking past but this guy that gives me a bollocking so I'm just shit shit but kind of hide and kind of ducked away and then I went to like the bar with with Sarah afterwards and there was this like photo of all these people it was like the elections to be the leader of the student union and he was like on this photo board to be the leader of the student union no no <laughs> so I kind of say I say to Sarah, like, oh, shit, I need to talk, need to, really need to talk to somebody about this. So anyway, I went in and just said, right, here's my experiences of this guy and here's kind of <coughs> what I know and then kind of left and that was it for the end of the day, you know, and like, and forgot about it. Apart from two days later, I'm in WH Smith and I walk past the newspaper stand and literally... All the front pages of, like, the national newspapers were basically full of this guy's face <laughs> going on no about way. how he'd kind of been unit oh to try and kind of, like, take over the student union and again to kind of... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. So this guy, this guy tried to infiltrate so you... <laughs> snowboarding in, in, in the early days with his religious cult. That is, that is amazing. You did. You did save snowboarding. Yeah. Yeah, I, that is just not but, what I was I, expecting. Yes, you don't, you kind of, you know, for me, for many years, it kind of was really not a kind of thing that I kind of thought about much until I was told with, with Tim about this, until you have kids, and like, especially a kid that's gone to uni, on how vulnerable kids are at university to that kind of thing, which was just, yeah, just thought a bit mental, but... Mate, that is so good. I told you, Jeremy Sladen saved snowboarding and... Where was it? Which animal? I mean, oh, I we oh, could all be. Oh, oh. Okay, let's. Re <laughs> oh, don't no, put no, that no, in. no, it's okay, fine. I'm just going to beep it. I'm beeping that out, Tim. It's fine. It's yeah. If you, you put it out, there. I just <laughs> want people to know. It. I want people to know that you made a mistake. That's it. Beep. It's gone. Okay. Quick, it. get Good, the quick, you. get the bar up. We're getting off the lift. Right, now, snowboarding and skiing, of course, as well, um, goes hand in hand with music. We like to ask our guests what music they're listening to um, throughout the course of the day, on the hill and off the hill. We put it into our Spotify playlist for you to enjoy. Jess, first of all, we want your down the hill track, your riding track. What are you listening to when you are shredding the mountain? Well... I, I kind of don't actually listen to music when I'm riding, but I, I do have one song that kind of runs through my head when I am riding. And if, if anybody's ever gone snowboarding with me before, they'll probably get it uh, and probably understand it. And that track 
is a track called Stigmata by Ministry. This is just flat out Jeremy Sladen right here. <laughs> and then you're absolutely right, but I'm I'm the same. Is that if I listen to music when I'm riding, especially music that's that heavy, it just does actually tip you over the edge a little bit. Oh, it takes you into dangerous places, more dangerous than I kind of tend to go anyway. As yeah. kind of like a 56 year old fat guy who rides fast, it's. <laughs> I think I'd if I listened to it on the mountain, I'd probably get just aggressive for some reason. That's unlike you. <laughs> I would just get as as aggressive as you can get on your intermediate snowboard. (laughs) Okay, right. You and Jenny, you're walking. Yes, exactly. You and Jenny are walking into the apres bar. What tune do you want on? Um, If it's if it's the start of the evening, I'll go something quite mellow, like uh, California Dreaming by the Mamas and Poppers. Watch you. And your final track then to add to the Apre podcast making tracks playlist. At the point that I'm probably really hammered, um, it's got to be Out of Space by the Prodigy. Oh my goodness. Perfect track to finish any day off, especially a day fueled by alcohol. <laughs> We've all when been you've there. got like sweat yeah. many times in the same bar. It's like when you've got sweaty legs now underneath your snowboard trousers because you. Oh, oh my yes. Ming. Yeah. Pay close attention. Right then, hot chocolates all round or what? That's it, Jeremy. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you in the um, apres cabin. Thank you for joining us. It's been an absolute joy to be here with you beautiful people. I've loved all the stories and I've loved the reminiscing as well. Oh, I wish we had longer, don't you, Jen? Yeah. Pass the marshmallows, please, so I can put them on my hot chocolate too. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Uh, Jeremy, thanks, mate. Uh, Absolute pleasure to have you and we'll see you soon. It's always a pleasure to see you guys. Love you all. Bye-bye. Love you. Jeremy's nice, isn't he? <laughs> He's lovely. He's a nice guy. That's it for this week. Thanks so much oh, for listening. Boo. Oh, if you've boo. got this one, why not do us a, a massive favour and leave us a review? Yes, uh, five-star review. But it definitely, it definitely really helps us, so let's do that. It really does. Yes, please, please do. Um, listen, it might not sound like it, but we've got loads lined up for this season. Give the podcast a share. Tell your friends. Of course, follow us on Instagram. We are at the Apray Pod. And if you fancy, drop us anything you want on the old email, theapraypod at gmail.com. And we'll be back next week. Bye. We will. 